Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode six of the More Than Corporate podcast. Today, we have an interview with Carrie Paxton Hertzberger, and I really enjoyed doing this interview with Carrie. She has a really interesting story. Carrie was raised in a typical family and was the epitome of school success, but she's chosen a far from typical lifestyle. She's working towards the goal of world schooling for her girls. She believes there is no better way to learn about the world than to be in it. A budding entrepreneur inspired by her passion, Carrie empowers families to recognize that there are no rules about the way your life should look. Your life doesn't have to look like your neighbors. More specifically, she wants to break the mold of classroom-based education and show children and their families that real life and learning isn't limited to school. She believes that school isn't built for everyone and not everyone is built for school. Kiddos who don't fit into the system can still be wildly successful at life by learning something different, learning somewhere different, and learning differently. One of the things I really liked about my interview with Carrie is listening to her talk about the way that she works with children who have anxiety and helps them work around that anxiety in a healthy way to still be successful in school. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the interview with Carrie. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me here. I'm super excited to have you um, talk to the audience and um, explain what you do um, because you and I met at Thrive and you were telling me about this idea that you have for this alternative form of education and I really um, enjoyed listening to that. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do? Okay. Well, I am a self-proclaimed school success coach. Um, I help kids with ADHD, anxiety, and mood disorders keep their head above water in school. Um, Or at least that's what I've been doing until recently. Um, Effectively, I'm a tutor, but instead of teaching content, I, um, I help kids, you know, manage homework, talk to teachers, get the homework turned in and, and keep their grades up. But I've realized that what I'm really doing is literally just keeping their heads above water. And that's not good enough for me. Um, And I've discovered that a lot of my students have an underlying confidence issue, Um, generally because of their ADHD or their anxiety or their learning disability. um, They just, they struggle, not necessarily with academics, although that's kind of how it manifests, but there's, there's this confidence piece that's missing where they constantly feel like they're being beaten down for being different or for standing out. And I've kind of shifted in my business to helping teens develop this confidence, uh, showing them how to create self-trust by setting small wins for themselves, how to stack those wins, and then engaging in some other confidence-boosting activities and, and positive thinking activities. So that's where I'm at now. That's kind of in trial this summer, and then I'm hoping to launch with a bigger group of kids in the fall. That's super cool. Was education always something that you were interested in? It was, but I didn't know it. Um, When I was in fifth grade, I started a school in my neighborhood. 
I seriously. had, yeah, seriously, I enrolled students, like I said, enrollment packets to all the parents with younger kids in the neighborhood. And I had different classes that they could choose from. And I hired, I mean, I didn't pay them. They were volunteer, but I hired <laughs> other, um, other kids my age to be the teachers. And I had, it was called Carrie's Saturday side school. And I think it ran for a year or two. <laughs> what type of stuff did you teach? So gosh, what didn't I teach? So the normal, you know, math and reading kind of stuff, but there was also um, piano because I played the piano. So I taught that and we had uh, environment awareness where I think I got the kids to, to plant some trees and whatnot. <laughs> um, we did, I think we did some stuff with money. I don't even know. Um, you were in fifth grade? I was in fifth grade at the time. Yeah. And what was the age of the people that were enrolling in your classes? Most of them were younger, like five, six, seven. Kind of pre-actual school. Not not to yeah. offend your Carrie's school of greatness, but your um, <laughs> <laughs> pre-actual school. So you were grooming them for what they were about to experience, huh? Exactly, exactly. Except, you know, at that time in my life, I actually thought I was either going to go to law school or be a child psychologist. Um, I had no idea I was going to end up being a teacher, but I did, in fact, teach in the classroom for 10 years. What grades did you teach? I taught predominantly second through fifth grade, um, but I've taught everything from kindergarten through college. I did... Uh, like two or three years, I taught adjunct college classes in the evening to adult students who were trying to get their skills up and ready for college uh, at the reading and writing levels. And, you know, I taught a bunch of summer programs. I taught ESL, like English as a second language uh, in a summer program. So I've, I've kind of done a lot of things. That's awesome. Was it your um, involvement in traditional education that brought about this idea that that doesn't work for everyone and we have to find individualized solutions? Yes and no. So like I said, I taught for 10 years and I never really felt like I was good enough as a teacher. Now, I also think as a teacher and really as a human being, you should never feel good enough. You should always be trying to be a better person for yourself and for others. Um, but I, I just never felt like I could do it all because of the meetings, the rules, the regulations, the paperwork, the too many kids, the not enough kids, you know, whatever it was. Um, so there was that. And then I kind of started tutoring accidentally. I left the classroom because I had kids and I started tutoring and I, I just did it more and more and more and more. And really that was the point where I started noticing the common threads that all of the students I was working with, from the one, ones with pretty pronounced learning disabilities to the ones who were considered gifted and in like gifted and talented programs, none of them really had their needs being met. Um, and I, I just started noticing that thread and I started also noticing confidence as an issue. And really, I think everyone has anxiety. I'm, I'm starting to see that more and more and more, whether it's diagnosed or whether it's just classic textbook symptoms that haven't been diagnosed. You know, I'm not allowed to say whether someone has anxiety or not. That's not my expertise per se, but um, it just, the combination of, of being in the school as a teacher and then seeing things from the outside looking in. I think when I put both of those experiences together is when I really started to think about alternative education ideas. 
That's super cool. Did you, um, did you tutor for a company or did you tutor on your own and create your own business? How did that come about? I created my own business. Um, really, it just started with, a, you know, a couple families I knew were asking for tutoring. So I said yes. And then I threw an ad on Craigslist and I got a couple clients that way, as scary as that may sound. Um, <laughs> and really from there, I didn't do any marketing. It was just all word of mouth referrals. Um, and it just, I mean, it got to the point where I couldn't accommodate all of this people who were calling me. So when did this idea of creating what you have now, oh, actually, before we get to that, I wanted to talk about something that you said about everybody having anxiety, because um, I'm in a similar spot, which is part of the birth of this podcast, because we all have anxious feelings, whether anybody has like traditional diagnosed anxiety or not, we all have feelings of anxiety. And I think that feeling that you're alone in those feelings only makes it worse. And then that anxiety gets worse. And so I think it's important to talk about, it. and I think it's super cool that you bring that up to your kids that, you know, those feelings are completely human and they're completely normal. Yes. Um, and that's actually something I've talked a lot about with my students lately is the, the feelings of stress and fear are normal and even can be good for us because they exist to keep us safe. There are times when we need to listen to that stress or that fear and, you know, not go swimming with sharks or whatever it may be. Um, <laughs> Some fears are definitely rational. <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> and we as individuals have to choose how to respond to that. Um, where like true textbook anxiety comes in, you would say that that's the bad part of it, like the, the part that's not healthy for us when it crosses that bridge. But, and that's when we're choosing to let that fear or that stress overtake us when it's things that we do want to accomplish, when it's a fear that we do want to face, but then the anxiety is keeping us back from that. Um, actually, one of, my, one of my students challenged me to face one of my fears of roller coasters. And he asked me to go on a roller coaster by myself in the front row. I saw your post on that and I thought it was so fantastic. So when did you, what roller coaster did you go on? Where was it at? And what was your experience with it? It hasn't happened yet, but plans are underway. I am 100% committing to doing it. Um, I'm actually inviting the student with me to be there. And I might invite some of the other kids from my, my program as well to see if they would, well, all of them to see if they would like to be there when I do this. Um, and so is it a fear of roller coasters or heights or is it like roller coaster specific? It's, it's definitely a fear of roller coaster. I'm not afraid of heights. I don't like the feeling of my stomach dropping out. Got um, it. And I, I have gone on roller coasters and I will go on roller coasters like certain ones that I've been on and that I know. Um, actually, like you twist me around and make me go upside down. That's all great. It's the up and down, up and down that I don't like. Got it. Well, for those of you guys who don't know, Carrie has her YouTube channel and we're going to put that information up. But I think that somebody needs to video your roller coaster ride and that it needs to be a YouTube episode. Oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. I'm totally going to do that. Yeah, I think it needs to happen. I think we all need to share in this excitement with you. I love that. Thank you. I will, um, I'll just, 
ask my student to do it. He'll be all about it. I mean, I'm all for, I guess, planning out other people's content so you can take this idea <laughs> or not, but I think it's a good idea. No, I'm totally going to do it. I think it's great. Thank you. I mean, I'm a huge believer in getting out of your comfort zone. I'm a huge believer that um, being complacent with any part of our life creates um, a lack of fulfillment, that we derive fulfillment by pushing ourselves in different areas of our life. And so the idea of getting out of your comfort zone and doing something that um, makes you maybe a little more than uncomfortable is super cool to me. Yes, absolutely. And okay. that's what I'm having all of my students kind of go through now is what's something that, uh, that you're afraid of or that you're stressed about. And then how can we take steps towards doing that? Me, I'm just going for it, but <laughs> you know, it's a little different when you're working with young people. 100%. So what are the ages that you normally work with? So with this new program that I'm doing, um, 14 to 20 is kind of my, my age group. Um, but I'm also considering doing something for slightly older college students. Um, That's an interesting idea because you don't hear of very many people working with post high school graduate people on a one-on-one -on -one level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a, a lot of my students are in the community college level or plan to be very soon. So I'm thinking that could be a separate kind of age group. So right now it's all grouped together 14 to 20, but I might do a spinoff when I'm working with more students and have more groups running. I might do a, you know, a high school level and then college level. I like it. Like you and I have talked a lot about, the idea of traditional education and how it doesn't necessarily fit for everybody, but especially in our generation, it was just something that was expected of you to do. And so the idea of working with people that are in the middle of that, I don't know why I'm here, but somebody told me I needed to come, so I need to figure it out. Um, I think that that's where it's needed probably almost more than anywhere else because they're lost and trying to find themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And and I feel like we're putting these big decisions on people whose brains are not fully developed yet. You know, we're telling them you have to go to college because you have to get a good job. And oh, by the way, what is that good job that you want to have? And a lot of times these are kids or young adults who haven't even had enough life experiences to know what they're good at, what they like, what kind of jobs are out there outside the you know, the handful of jobs that we commonly know about and hear about. Yeah, I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day, actually. Um, I've been doing a lot of work on um, NLP training. Are you familiar with that? Um, Neuro-linguistical programming? Oh, a little bit, yes. Okay. So the, the idea behind it is that the words that you say to yourself and others impact your thoughts, which make a huge impact on the way that you then act later on in life. And we were talking about education specifically and I told them, I said, people need to stop asking their five and six-year-olds what they want to be when they grow up. Like let them be kids because from a education standpoint, you're already asking them to make decisions when they have no idea what they want to do. But from a word choice standpoint, to me that says like you have to be something different than what you are right now. Like, so you pick what you want to be, but it can't be this. It can't be what you're doing right now. So you're six and figure it out. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that plays into my feeling about how school and kind of our 
cultural climate creates anxiety in everyone. And it's, it's all very well-meaning. No one is doing it with ill intention, but that language that we use is creating these situations. Um, you know, and, and we're just living in a different world today than say the parents are who are raising these kids. And it's, it's just not always a match. And then that, that creates more anxiety, I think. I 100% agree. So how did you trans, um, transfer or transition from tutoring and traditional school into what you do now? All right. So tutoring um, was 100% in person. I was driving around like a crazy person, going to people's houses or libraries or whatever it was. Um, and that was just, it was exhausting and I could barely make it happen um, between traffic and lugging all the stuff around from one place to another and then getting home and still seeing my own kids. And I realized that I could show up much more successfully if I were online and that I would be able to help more kids. And honestly, I found that the, the kids are showing up better when I'm online. They have access to me whenever they want as opposed to you know, a certain time each week at a certain place at a certain time. Um, with online scheduling, some of my kids have set schedules, but others we communicate through text message and I have an online calendar and they can just sign up when they need me. And I monitor things behind the scenes so that if I see they have a missed assignment or a project or a test coming up, I can, you know, send a text message saying, hey, let's schedule a session to make sure it happens. That's but awesome. That way, yeah. Um, so that took me, that full transition took me about six months because some clients were resistant. I understand, um, you know, a lot of parents think, oh my gosh, how is my student going to pay attention to someone sitting on the computer? But honestly, especially with, with anxiety, I find they show up better. Um, it's more comfortable uh, because that's the environment they're used to interacting on. They're always on their phones or their computers or their video games talking with people as opposed to having to, you know, be in a library with other people looking at you or having someone come to your house. It just, they're so much more comfortable and they're more attentive because that online environment is just more stimulating. Makes sense. So do you work in conjunction with their um, school programs or have you created a curriculum that replaces traditional education? Well, if you look at my tutoring clients, basically... I give them what I need based on the program that they're in at school. Um, you know, if they're learning how to write a five paragraph essay, I'll teach it to them in a way that's really accessible to them, regardless of the way school is teaching it. But I make sure that we turn in the product school is expecting. Um, my, the mastermind groups I'm running where I'm working on those confidence skills, this is completely not academic. We don't talk about academics. There's nothing to do with school. It's all about personal development and opening them up to personal, that personal development world. Um, so it's not, it's not necessarily revolutionary from an education or schooling standpoint, but it's just something completely different that isn't covered in school. So for anybody who's listening who may want to contact you concerning your tutoring or your mastermind situation, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? 
Facebook is probably the best way. Um, you can send me a direct message. I think I'm on Facebook as Carrie Paxton Hertzberger. Um, send me a message. And uh, you do you have show notes? I do. Yeah, everything will be put in the show notes for contact. I can, if you want, I can give you a link to my uh, Calendly where people can just like click a button and put in their name and I can call them directly. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and send that to me and we'll throw that in the show notes. Absolutely. So as far as the different ages that you work with, you gave a pretty um, wide range of ages that you work with. What are the specific, um, the specific issues that you're experiencing with each kid that, or each age, if that makes sense? I would say the biggest issue I notice is kids transitioning to middle school. That sixth grade year. Now, I actually don't have a program running for kids of that age right now, um, though it is one I want to get around to. But kids go from that elementary school environment where they get so much help from parents, so much help from teachers. Generally, it's one classroom teacher or maybe just a handful of classroom teachers. Then they're transitioning to middle school, new building, more students, a lot more teachers. Teachers have different expectations. And all of a sudden, they're being asked to be independent. But a lot of times, it's the first time they're being asked to be independent. And they're kind of just dropped. We expect that they know how to organize their binder and that they know how to check their online system for work that needs to be turned in or is missing. But a lot of times, they don't. Um, and a teacher or parent saying, hey, put this thing in your binder, this paper in your binder. That's really ambiguous to a student who's never used a binder. Absolutely. That's, that's interesting. I had never thought about that before. I mean, I vaguely remember what it was like transitioning from going to school and being in one particular classroom with one teacher all the time to having to be in a different spot every hour and having to figure out how I'm going to get there and what, how I'm going to manage my time. Yeah. And then you're being told that you're not doing it right or you're not trying hard enough, or you got to see, or a lot of times students will come to me after the first semester of sixth grade or first quarter of sixth grade with failing grades. The students didn't know, the parents didn't know until they got that first quarter report card. They had no clue. And then these kids are struggling with these feelings of, of being inferior and, and the anxiety is creeping in and their confidence then is just shot. Um, so that's kind of where I'm coming in is to, to build up that confidence and to give kids the skills to maintain it, no matter what the situation is. But when they do have those moments of, oh, I'm not good enough, or, oh man, nobody told me what it meant to put this paper in my binder, that they can have the skills to overcome that and continue on being successful, whether it's in school or in life. I'm so fascinated by what you're talking about right now because of the fact that I experienced all of this later in life. And I um, wish that I had had kind of those conversations with myself before or with somebody else before I spent the time and money on traditional education um, without knowing why. I mean, I'm glad that I ended up in law school, but 
um, there was a good, I mean, it took me nine years to get my undergrad because I didn't have any direction. And so the idea of allowing people to have these conversations, be authentic with what they want to accomplish and save that, you know, five or six years where they're trying to figure out what they want to do and they're just wasting money on classes is super cool. Wow. What did that look like for you? Nine years getting your undergrad? Yeah. Were you so just I, jumping around in classes or? Yeah. So um, my dad passed away in 2001, which was my first year of college. And I was the first person in my family to go to college. And so the only thing that was drilled into my head, probably by myself too, but definitely by my family, was if you don't go back now, you're never going to go back. And so rather than taking the time to grieve and deal with what I needed to deal with, I just jumped back into school and failed classes for three or four years while I figured out what I wanted. Oh, wow. You were struggling with that grief. And then it sounds like that was playing into your academic success. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I just wasn't ready to be there. And so, and I didn't, I wasn't going to go, this was back in, we're talking 2001, 2002, where therapy was still taboo. And um, I wasn't going to go talk to somebody. I wasn't going to have that conversation. And so fast forward to 2016, where you and I have kind of talked about my journey a little bit. That's where I crashed and I had no choice but to go talk to somebody because I couldn't function. And so to have somebody like yourself who is bringing out these conversations that need to be had with kids before they get to the point where I was that I couldn't function and had to take time off of work and felt like a complete failure um, and had to work myself back from that is, I, I just, I love the fact that you're having these conversations. It's super cool to me. Thank you. And it, it's so interesting you say that because a lot of a lot of parents, teachers will say, hey, we're addressing this problem of anxiety and depression. We're bringing in more psychologists and, you know, we're, we're having little guidance classes. But, but my argument is that's treating the problem instead of getting under it in the first place. If we right. can change the language like you were talking about, change the language that we use with the students in our classroom and in our homes and we give the students the skill, the social emotional skills they need to meet challenges, then I, I, my hope is we're going to need a lot less of those counselors in the school and those, those guidance counselors. 100%. I mean, it's like giving somebody who has a broken leg some Advil to take away the pain and then just hoping that the leg resets itself. Like it, it doesn't work that way. And so much of what we do as adults are formed by what happens to us as children. So if you're bringing in psychologists and counselors to come talk to somebody about how they need to learn to manage their anxiety better, instead of helping them figure out why they feel anxious in the first place, then as adults, they're still going to feel like something's wrong with them and they need to manage their anxiety better. Yeah, exactly. I agree 100%. So with that being said, I think it's a perfect transition into kind of the content side of this. And we've talked a lot about some of it already, but um, one of the things that I love to talk about is the um, definition of success because I think it's different for everybody. And I would love to know your definition of success and then how you work with your kids that you work with to allow them to identify their own definition of success. So mine is constantly creating a life that I am excited to wake up to and my family is excited to wake up to. Um, it's that, you know, that drive to get you out of bed in the morning. What am I going to do today that puts a smile on my face? 
Um, and then being able to share that with my kids and letting them be the ones who are excited to get up and, and what are we going to do today? What fun is going to happen today? And then also empowering my students to do that. Um, and really this, this is something that I'm still working on with my students because they don't have a lot of relevancy in their lives. Success to them is either so far removed in the, oh, I'm going to be that doctor or teacher or lawyer, or whatever it is, that, that career that people keep asking them about right. or the money that they want to have, but they don't have a lot of relevancy in their lives right now. So part of what I'm doing is helping them create that. Like, what are you doing right now that you're liking? And then what are you curious about that you want to explore more? And I think as they start to explore those curiosities and find a passion, then they have some relevancy in their life. And then they can kind of, from there, be able to create their definition of something. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I had never thought about it like that before where we're basically sending kids through a factory of education without letting them think that what they have or contribute is important. And so until they graduate from high school and enter into the world, their um, value is really tied to their educational achievements. Yes. Um, And you ask, you know, almost any kid in middle or high school and their thought is, well, why are we learning this? Right. There, there are times, of course, when you're in school and the skills you're learning, you're going to need. Absolutely. Um, but when the things that they're really interested in are always put second to their academic progress, I think it starts to devalue those interests when really those interests are the things that they should have the opportunity to explore and play up because they are what's going to turn them into an influencer or that interest is what's going to turn, you know, turn into a career for them as opposed to something that kind of, you know, the older they get, the more they're told, no, you can't do that. It's a pipe dream or it's not real, or you have to get that a before you can play on that soccer team. Um, that we're, we're really just squashing their interest and their motivation. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned something else about relevancy that I thought was really cool um, about letting these kids understand that what they're doing now, even if they're only 8, 10, 12 years old, is relevant, that they have something to contribute to the world and their society, even at their age, and they need to be able to figure out what that is and explore um, how they can impact those around them. Um, I think that that's super interesting. Yeah, I um I kind of hope that with my mastermind groups that I'm running, I can teach all of my students that they can be influencers if they want to. And they don't have to wait until they're older and they've graduated from college to be an influencer. They can do it now. You don't need a college degree to have people pay attention to you. The people we pay attention to are the people who are different and the people who stand out. You know, not necessarily the people who got a fancy college degree with straight A's. Um, For sure. And, you know, it's so funny because I um, went to law school and I graduated at the top of my class um, in like the top 3%. And I remember being so sad and frustrated that my employers didn't want to see my transcript. I was like, I worked so hard for this. And they're like, we don't care. 
at all what your grades were. Like you have the JD, that's all that matters. And for somebody who had worked so hard in high school to get straight A's and then forget college, that was a whole nother world, but had worked hard in law school to really excel, the idea that all they wanted to see was a passing JD was crazy to me. And I could have um, explored, like you said, other options and other interests and had a life instead of graduating and being having my entire identity tied to my educational path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as far as success is concerned, I think that um, my belief is that um, people project their ideas of success onto those around them and that some of the issues that we feel with anxiety come from people telling us that we're successful and then we're actually feeling completely empty inside. Is there a time that you have um, appeared successful to others and they've complimented you and just raved about how great you're doing and you felt so empty because you knew you weren't actually doing what you were supposed to be doing with your life? Funny, pretty much the story you just told. Um, when I got my master's degree from a fancy university, I, you know, everybody's like, wow, you got your master's from Johns Hopkins. That's really amazing. Um, but to me, it was no big deal. Honestly, I didn't work hard for it at all. The classes were extremely easy. I didn't learn anything. Now, I will say there were people in the program who probably did learn, um, but I had had the experience of teaching summer school for three years prior to being in that master's program for teaching. So everything that I should have learned in those classes, I had already learned through the training um, of teaching the summer, summer school program. So I felt like I wasted a whole lot of money, a whole lot of time, and a whole lot of energy to get this master's degree that while it looked great on paper, it really wasn't doing me any good. Um, I did need to have a certification to teach in public school. I was teaching in private school at the time, so it didn't really matter. And I didn't end up, well, at one, at one point I, I needed it in my career, but other than that, I, I really didn't. So while it looked cool to some people to have that, it just, it wasn't doing me any good. And I felt like, man, why did I do this? Oh, that's crazy and so powerful. So how did you deal with that? How did you kind of um, reconcile the fact that you needed to be doing these things in order to um, have the career that you wanted and make the impact that you wanted on the world, but it was so incongruent with what you actually felt was necessary? I guess I just rationalized, well, if I want to teach, I need to have this certification and really, I could have chosen a certification without the master's, but it was only a couple classes different. So I went for the master's and I just recognized it was something that I had to do in order to teach. And at that time, I was still very much of the mindset that you have to have a conventional job. You work for someone and that's that. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a teacher. So I guess I just looked at it as a hazard of the trade, something I had to do if I wanted to, to be the teacher that I wanted to be. When was the first time that you started to realize that the idea that you had to have a traditional job to make an impact on the lives of students was completely false? Ah, so my husband, you know, Jason. I do. Um, he read Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek. 
And he kept coming home with these cockamamie ideas about how that we can apply this to our life and how he can do all these other things for work and he just has to have a, you know, a real job. And I thought he was crazy. Um, I just kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, yeah, whatever, Jason, you know, maybe it works for some people, but it can't work like that for everyone. Those are the, the lucky people. And he kept telling me to read the book. So finally I did. And I read it because I wanted to get him off my back. <laughs> I, yeah. I He's a persistent to- individual. <laughs> it's like, this isn't going to work, but fine. I'll read the book because you're my husband and I love you and I'm going to do it. And, and I read the book and it was interesting. And the way, the way Tim Ferriss approached it, I think was really, um, reasonable. And it, it started to kind of run around in my head that it was something that maybe could be done. Um, and then I realized I just, I wanted a different life for my kids. I didn't want to be in the classroom and trying to raise kids at the same time. It was just going to be exhausting. And I didn't know how I would give them both my best, my students and my own kids. And to the tutoring just kind of happened by, by accident. And then I finally realized once, once things were pointing me in the direction that this other lifestyle really does exist is when I ran with the idea. I love it. So we've kind of talked a lot about what you do and bash traditional education a little bit. And um, I definitely think that there is a time and place for traditional education. So that's not my intention at all. But I'm interested in the progress that you've seen in your students as you supplement what traditional education is missing in what you can provide individually. And I'm with you there too. I don't, I think there's a time and place for education and I'm glad we have it. And I believe that our system does the best it can. It's well-intentioned. It's just, we have a hugely diverse population and a bigger population than most other countries. And we require all of our students to go to school, which comes with its, its perks and its drawbacks. Um, but what I see is students starting to be able to take responsibility for themselves. Um, you know, when students first come to me, typically things are pretty bad for them. They're not doing their work or they're doing it and not turning it in. Their binders are exploding. I call it exploding binder syndrome. Um, you know, they can't find any of their schoolwork. Half the time they didn't even know they had a, a website that they could log in and check their work and their grades. Most of my students have that ability, but they didn't know it. Um, I've even had students tell me they don't know that they had a textbook for a certain class when in fact they did. Uh, just all kinds of stuff. And, and really, these are all capable students. I'm not talking about any student who's compromised to the point where they shouldn't be able to take care of these things on their own. Um, but they just were never given the tools to do it, and they didn't have that confidence. So I've seen kids go from, you know, me having to coach them through every step of checking their website, finding their work, writing down what they have to do and when, and making sure they turn it in, and all of those steps to getting to the point where they can text me and say, hey, I have a test on Friday, on a Monday. Can we plan a session this And it's, it's just amazing how they can develop those, 
independence habits over time when they're given the tools to do it. That's so cool. So I um, think that pushing yourself and living outside of your comfort zone as much as possible is super important. We talked about this with your roller coaster story. Outside of your roller coaster, which hasn't happened yet, um, what is a time that you can think of where you have pushed yourself out of your comfort zone and it had a major positive impact on your life? I would say I'm in it right now. Um, Up until lately, even with my business, I've kind of stayed in my comfort zone. The goals I've set up till now have been really like, oh, I know for 100% sure I can do this and I know exactly how to do it. But I'm at a stage now where I am setting bigger goals for myself, ones that sound scary to myself as far as my business is concerned. So I'm, I'm pushing myself every day and man, it's working. Uh, I'm feeling better about myself. I'm feeling more confident, but I'm also getting the results in business that I want to. That's awesome. Um, As important as a comfort zone is, I think that failure is just as important. So can you tell me about a time in your life where either personal or business, whichever one you want to talk about, that um, you failed miserably and you were able to grow from it and find a positive experience? Thankfully, I haven't had a lot of failures in my life, but I should probably take that thankfully back because like you said, it is important to fail because that's how we learn. Um, but I, I guess I could say that I failed with my previous business idea. Um, originally after my tutoring, I was, I was starting to do, um, wanted to make and sell online classes, like really high quality online classes, similar to how you would, um, see an online college class done. Okay. But for elementary school students like later elementary and middle school students. And I failed. Nothing happened. I never really made any classes um, because I didn't know, A, I didn't know how to market, but B, I just bit off more than I can chew. That's a huge undertaking. My initial idea, I had two classes I was going to run. I knew what they were. And, you know, I made a, a sales page for it and everything before I made the classes. So at least I hadn't put all that work into it. Um, I was just testing my idea. But nobody was interested. But also I think it was more because I and I had a website and that was it. Um, and then when I started working with a coach and I realized, I think at that point, that trying to sell those classes was just way too much right now. Um, so I grew my tutoring business. I got it online so that I could grow it. And now I'm pivoting again with these mastermind courses, which then will eventually probably I will sell as actual courses instead of live groups, um, or, or have a balance of both. That's but, awesome. I, I think what you just said about the balance of both is so important because I think the most amazing thing about what you do is the fact that you're available to talk about the things that a book can't teach, that you're available to talk about the experiences that they might be going through that they don't necessarily understand because nobody's taken the time to explain to them the, the um, healthy expressions of emotions and how to get through the fear of not being good enough or not being able to complete what you need to. So I 
love your personal involvement in that. And I think that by doing what you're doing now, you're only going to gain more information and um, on what your, your clientele need to be completely successful. Yeah, absolutely on the information part. And I find the students really like interacting with each other because um, we do group calls online and they, they finally relate to someone. And the things they say and the things they're willing to do in the groups are, are pretty amazing, um, I think, because they have that peer support and that peer relatability. Got it. So um, I don't know about you, but I constantly find myself wanting to crawl back inside of my shell when I'm pushing myself and then need to be reminded that I have a reason to be outside of my comfort zone and that this is what I need to be doing. So do you have um, a book or resources that you rely on when you know that you're kind of hiding or hibernating in some way and you need to be pushed back out into the world? So I don't have tangible resources per se, but I always go back to my vision. What is the life I want to create for me and for my family? What is the life I want to create for my kids? And unless I'm pushing myself outside of my comfort zone, I'm probably never going to get to that life. So when I have a vision that becomes so important to me, that's what drives me to keep going no matter what. I love it. So as far as work is concerned, if you were not doing what you're doing now, which I can tell you have a huge passion for, um, what do you think would be fun to do for a profession? So I'm really interested in how the brain works. Um, it's really tied into what I do. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to, to go be a neuropsychologist, or I'm sure there are many other professions and careers related to that that I don't even know about. But, but someone who really gets into the brain, knows how it works, and then applies it to help people in some way. So beyond awesome. the research stage, but actually application of content. Love it. Um, what are you reading or listening to right now? A uh, whole lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've moved away from the listening and, or, or reading only one thing at a time. Um, I just finished a book called The Five-Hour School Week, which was amazing. Um, written by a family who developed this homeschooling method that works for them where they do an hour about an hour of an instruction every day and that's it. Um, but that's not limiting the learning experiences. They go into detail about how other experiences become learning experiences. But as far as that like homeschooling component you think of is the five hour piece. So I loved that. Um, and the other one I'll mention, I guess, is I'm going through a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And it's a 12-week program, so it's only a chapter a week, um, about rediscovering your creativity. It all focuses around the idea of the fact that we are all creatives, uh, but that somewhere along the way, we typically lose our creativity. Um, and this helps you kind of reconnect to your inner creative. and it's really resonating with me right now because I, I felt like I was someone who wasn't creative, but I'm realizing what I do every day is a creative act. All of the, the content I'm creating and the business I'm creating and the ways that I'm helping students, it's all creation and being creative. So it's nice to reconnect with that. 
It's so crazy that you say that because I went through the same thing where, you know, you, and, and I think it's just a matter of like intellectual learning isn't creative. And so the more, the further you go in school, the less creativity is involved in that. And the more that you think you're not a creative, and then you realize that everything you do in your life is creating something. Yes, absolutely. Do you have a morning routine that gets you pumped up for your day? I do. Um, so I'm doing 75 hard. So that has kind of become part of my morning routine. So I, I get up, I drink a cup of water or a water bottle full of water. Really? I make my coffee, but I, I require that I finish a bottle of water before I drink my coffee. Um, and then I, I was journaling for a while, but it was taking up so much time because, um, that's part of the artist's way. It's called morning pages. It's three pages of journaling. I'm kind of modifying it right now. Yeah. It, it was just taking up too much time on time on top of 75 hard. Um, so I drink my coffee. I exercise for at least 45 minutes. Usually by that time, my kids are wandering downstairs if they haven't already. So it usually turns into some sort of family workout, um, dancing or kids yoga or something like that. Um, and then I'm, I'm actually trying to implement some of that five hour school week model where that morning time when my kids are eating breakfast, we're doing some kind of learning or if not learning, we're at least like connected together, talking at the table and interacting. And then from there, I basically go into mom time. Um, I'm with my kids doing kid things. I do try and get work in a couple days a week by going to the gym. Um, and I use the childcare there and I use the gym as my office. Love so it. 90 minutes of working time. Um, well, we talked about um, where people can find you for your um, tutoring and educational aspects. So if you shoot me over those, I'll throw those in the show notes. Um, is there anywhere else that you want to give um, people to be able to access you or is that the best way? That's really probably the best way. Um, my website is, is a constant work in progress and you're just you're going to have an easier time getting a hold of me through either that link that I'll send you or, or through Facebook. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, again, I think that what you're doing with the idea of education is super important and necessary. And I love watching you just crush it with um, being able to help these kids recognize and accomplish their goals. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing a little bit of that with everybody. You are welcome. Thank you for having me and, and good luck to you. I think you're spreading a really important message to your audience. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.